Welcome back to Tome of Tales. Set in the Cantus Expanse, a long-running 5th edition D&D campaign. This episode is a downtime write-up, co-written with Andy, continuing after the events of Lichpin. It is called Moonlight Sonata. The night is exceptionally dark, the stars and moon appearing very far away. Coniferous treetops of the Faythorn rush by underneath the shimmering forms of the winged unicorn and her rider. There is no urgency, but anticipation has the Fey woman clutching at the delicate vines in her hands. Ahead of them, easy enough to spot from the inviting glow that comes from the crossing into her home plane. Merla feels her heart quicken as Astra descends into the Fey Verge Valley. When her partner's hooves touch down, she takes a deep breath in and feels something in her stir, awakening from slumber. She lets out a euphoric sigh and the imperial topaz gem in her circlet glows brighter. Astra kneels down, allowing her mistress to dismount gracefully while looking around. The trees are tall, their bark glistening with silver and blue veins, branches full of maroon-colored leaves. The flowers are not as plentiful as they would be in the warmer months, but are still an array of various colors, all bright and alluring. We are a bit early, Merla remarks as she does not see anyone or anything else around. This person, Croxrol, he is important to you, Astra states, coming over to look at her mistress. She gently bumps her muzzle against Merla's shoulder, a playful gesture to get her to relax a little, and it seems to do the trick. Merla lets out the breath she had not known she was holding in. (sighs) Yes. Yes, he is. Astra sees flashes of a conversation flit across Merla's mind before she pulls up her guard. She does not comment on it, but a sliver of mistrust comes to the winged unicorn's mind. Astra does not share this thought with her mistress, however. I'm going to play some music to pass the time, until he arrives. Merla declares, moving over to a patch of grass under the boughs of a silver and blue-vined apple tree. Its branches are weighted down with ripe, golden fruit, many within easy reach. Merla ignores these low-hanging temptations. Unlimbering her harp from her side, she leans against the thick trunk and softly starts to play a lilting waltz. The quiet notes from the harp are muffled further by the dense leaves above, and as each harmonic layer is added in the clearing Merla sat in, it became its own private concert hall. It was an old song, 
simple in each individual line, but as both hands worked together, the beat was almost lost as each voice seemed to tell its own slightly melancholy version of the melody. As the piece came to a soft end, a voice spoke out, even more gently. Every time. Every song more beautiful than the last. Cruxerl said, standing, leaning against the same tree, just a few feet away. He was speaking quietly, and for once the tone, and the face as she saw him, was neither mischievous nor angry, but sad and calm. He dropped to a knee beside her, taking in Merla's face and form. Was that wonder in his eyes? It has been some time. One might say a lifetime, Merla admits, an alluring light sparkling in her eyes as she tilts her head to look at him. She carefully puts her harp aside as her eyes roam over his face, taking him in. Merla had not realized how much she missed Cruxerl until this moment. She looks down to his hands, a desire to reach out to him, pulling her forward, but she feels how her fingers tremble by her side. She does not wish to touch him with uncertainty. I'm glad you came. She says softly, a knot detangling itself in her heart. There are so many things I wish to tell you. And perhaps there are a few things you may wish to tell me. Her hand has moved towards Cruxerl of its own accord. Merla sees this, and a soft, half-smile touches her lips as a flush appears on her cheeks. But before she can decide what to do or say next, Astra comes forward standing close behind her, looking down at the satyr. Ah, yes, before that. Merla gestures with the hand that had been reaching towards Cruxerl. This is Astra, my partner and companion. She is Lord Ectearen's kin. Astra? She looks up to her. This is Cruxerl, my, uh... Incredibly attractive mentor. He said, a devious grin spreading over his face as he turns to Astra and bows deeply. It is an honor to meet the one who has been keeping Merla safe all this time, Astra. You two must make quite the sight in the material plane. <laughs> I'm glad you can bring a little more light into their poor mundane lives. <laughs> it was the first smile he flashed since appearing. Astra returns the bow, but a little more reservedly, her spiraling horn beginning to glow. We bring light and music wherever we go. Lady Merla and I. It is nice to finally meet you, Cruxerol. Astra spoke aloud, her tone distant. 
Without looking at her mistress, she says across their telepathic link, I will give you some privacy, but we'll remain close. Merla sends her thanks, but is curious at this odd behavior that bordered on rudeness. Astra proudly walks off, moving over to a cluster of bushes that have some rather vibrant magenta berries on them. Merla turns back to Cruxerl and gives him an apologetic smile. As he stands up again, he takes Merla in, just as she had been doing, his expression softening again. You've changed, little one. Every day you've spent away from the Fae seems to transform you more and more into one of them. <laughs> His chuckle is a laugh quickly gone. I wonder if you'll grow some fur on those legs next. You are undeniable. Was that a flash of fear in his eyes? He moves over to sit on a tree root a few feet away, still gazing at her like he is taking in every detail. Catch me up, Merla. Who are you now? Because you're certainly not the halfling who left me moons ago. A flicker of peaked hurt causes her brows to draw down and her lips to press together. She takes a measured breath in, and the sweet smell of the forest around her allows Merla's expression to clear. You're right. I am not the same. Merla begins, her arms slowly starting to move in a balletic way. I am C. Penal who went into the Nine Hells to face the hordes of Avernus in order to stop Zeriel from spreading the blood war to the material plane. Her hands weave through the air. For a time, I became the herald of the Raven Queen. She imparts, looking at him carefully as her feet start to swirl in a subtle dance. That is, until my friends freed me from a cloak that held me entrapped in its talons. She spins around, arms reaching up, the iridescent split cape lifting to reveal the dark scars on her back. Merla stops, facing Cruxerl dead on. Slowly, her arms float down to her sides as the swirling fabric of her cape and slit skirts come to a rest. She has gone very still, an intensity to her gaze that charges the space between them with heat. I have been an unwitting thief, an unintentional murderer. I have called to the souls of those gone, beckoning for them to return to life, whilst being exiled from my own home barred from seeing those I love. Sadness and longing flit across her face as Merla looks at Cruxerl. I have been a light in the darkness and a song to comfort those who need it most. Merla takes a small step towards him, then another. I may have been gone, but I never left you, Cruxerl. Merla says quietly, her words filled with emotion as her expression flickers between yearning, sadness, 
confusion and hurt. It was you who left me, avoiding me all those times I returned to the summer court. She stands right in front of him, close enough to touch. Looking deep into his verdant green eyes, Merla wants to know the truth. She wants to mend things, but wonders if it's even possible. Hoping to the stars above, watching them, that it is. Why? He instinctively swung back behind the root he was sitting on, the fur on his legs bristling as he breathed out sharply. I... He hesitated, and that was surely a sign that something was different in this conversation. Cruxerel always had a tale to spin in his defense, especially in his defense. Out of the corner of her eye, Merla catches his hand twitching slightly towards her, as her own had been before. I was afraid. You accumulate titles faster than you accumulate years. The universe spins and somehow you're standing in the middle. You were a delight in the summer court before, but now you enter it as a warrior, a champion, if not for the current circumstances. Merla, you have grown so much and I have grown so little. He sags, deflated. You ride on Ektiarin's kin into battle against titans and I plan parties. Incredible ones, mind you, but next to the herald of the Raven Queen, you are glorious, Merla. He holds his arms out towards her, turned open as if to present her for all the forest to see. Worthy of and surrounded in glory. I am vainglorious, and every day you burn brighter while I wonder how I could ever deserve you after all that I have done. Or not done. You worry about being worthy of me. Merla begins, seeing the honesty in Cruxerl's eyes and his insecurity. Yet I, the student, want to be your equal. To be able to stand beside you without being a burden. This time, when she reaches for him, her fingers are steady. The years of music-making can be felt in the touch of her skin as Merla takes Cruxerl's hand. You protected me, guided me, Merla says, tracing a pattern on his palm as she looks up at him. Watched over me. You taught me music. The greatest gift anyone has ever given me. The joy of creation. Her eyes glisten as she brings his hand up to her lips and kisses his palm. I feel you in every song I sing. Every note I play. She rests her face in his hand, closing her eyes as she breathes in. It is soft, a familiar melody she has not heard in many moons. But 
it is different, changed, a variation on a theme with something hidden in the notes. Merla opens her eyes and lifts her left hand up to his face, tracing the familiar lines of his features, entreating him to believe in her. You can be more. I know you can. We can grow together, Crux. He laughed, first softly and then louder as he looked up at the night sky above them and then back down to her face in his hands. And as with all things, those we teach grow up to surpass us and then inspire us to be better than we were. I've told you enough stories that you'd think I would have seen this coming years ago. Cruxerel kneels down in front of her, bringing his face close to hers. Fine, fine, you win. <laughs> we can grow together as long as we don't grow old together. <laughs> Eternal youth will suit me just fine. We can talk about what we have been up to and the great and terrible things we've done another time. One day, I will apologize to you properly. But... And at last, there was his face again. The knowing grin and sparkling eyes that spoke of all manner of fun. Merla's heart quickens. I must be back in the morning. The revelries don't plan themselves. And so we must make of this night everything we can. And he kisses her. The melody swells around them, and Merla feels something akin to a bolt of lightning coursing through her veins. Her softly golden glowing skin suddenly gets brighter as she presses herself close, fingers winding their way into soft brown hair as she melts into Cruxerel's arms. One of his strong hands tilts her head back, whilst the other falls to the buckles of her armor. He showers her in kisses as he deftly removes the beautifully crafted, studded leather protecting her body. At the same time, more knots detangle themselves from within her heart. The worry and uncertainty of the past several moons falling away like the pieces of armor and clothing they shed from one another until there's nothing left but bare skin. Then Cruxhurl stands up, holding Merla in his arms, and she lets out a surprised laugh of delight. He looks at her in wonder, taking in her aura of summer radiance, the light from the gem in her circlet casting a hypnotic glow between them. Her hands come up to his face once more, tracing the line of his brow to his horns, then down his jaw as she looks into his verdant green eyes, hearing music all around them. The forest sighs in ecstatic pleasure as the two lay down under the apple tree, the golden fruits pulsing with a new awakened energy. As the reunited songs join together to make a symphony, the Fey Verge Valley glows a little brighter around them, 
pushing back the darkness under the cool, watchful gaze of the stars and moon. When will we meet again? The question pushes past her lips, unbidden and hurriedly. Merla does not want to let Cruxrell go, not now that they have finally made amends. And the lovemaking, oh, great summer. She has never sung so sweetly before. He knew her wants just as she knew his. I'm not sure, given uncertain times. Cruxrell says. His eyes linger on her, saying more than his words do, though Merla does not see it. She does pause in the act of putting her chemise back on, knowing what it is he is referring to. Her banishment. She glances over her shoulder to see desire lighting his features as his eyes drink in the sight of her. The corners of his mouth curve into a smile as he looks back into her eyes. But I will try again soon. Marla's smile only goes halfway as she nods, letting the sheer fabric fall down to cover her. Cruxrell keeps stealing glances at her, as she does to him, as the two get dressed. He is faster than her, having less to put on. Merla feels the chill of winter's approach, trying to push towards them. It makes her movements slower feeding into her desire to linger in this moment a little longer. Cruxerel comes up behind her, brushing her gold and pink hair aside to kiss her neck. Merla leans into him, her head resting against his chest, over his heart. His hand turns her face up towards his, and Cruxerel looks into her eyes for a long moment before he kisses her deeply, longingly. The bows of the apple tree creak with a weighted sigh. He helps her back into her armor, lingering touches from his calloused hands, leaving imprints of warmth on her tan skin as he fastens each clasp. The moon has set, and the stars have begun to wink out. Faster, and faster with each passing minute. Merla feels time slipping away from them, and she wishes she could stop it. If anything happens or changes, anything at all, tell me, she commands, reaching out to pull the satyr towards her. Cruxerel raises an eyebrow at her tone, and she softens her voice. I may be banished but that won't stop me from helping in any way I can. Cruxerel grins as he brings her hands up to his lips, brushing a kiss over her knuckles. Why, in my experience, there's nothing in this multiverse that can stop you, Merla. He said. His eyes stay locked with hers as he walks backwards and away disappearing behind a tree and out of the material plane.
This downtime write-up was called Moonlight Sonata, set in the Cantus Expanse, a long-running 5th edition D&D campaign run by the London RPG community, co-written with Andy. Cruxerl was voiced by Gwydion Evans. If you wish to help support Tome of Tales, please consider buying me a Kofi. You can find the link in the description. Thank you for listening. Tune in again for the next chapter in Merla's story. Thank you.